you said that many had seen it as an alien or something. I have never seen that. I have only seen a pigeon. So that was funny. It's a really moving image, which is... This photography podcast is brought to you by Frames, the upcoming printed photography magazine. Here is your today's host, W. Scott Olsen, with another fascinating conversation. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another podcast from Frames Magazine. My name is Scott Olson, and today I have the distinct pleasure of talking with Kald Skuda-Peterson, who is a nature photographer over in Denmark. Good afternoon, Skuda. How are you? Hello, and I'm fine. It's a beautiful day on the American prairie here in the Midwest today. What is it like over in Denmark? Uh, it's pretty dark and windy today. We have autumn here, and... Uh, it's getting darker and darker. I, I, I should tell the people listening to this podcast that I, I have a special interest in, in news from Denmark. My grandfather was from Denmark uh, and came over to the United States. I've had the good fortune to go back a couple times. It is a country, it is a beautiful country that, that I admire for so many reasons. And you are a nature photographer over there. I think all of us who pick up a camera at some point Take, you know, take a shot at nature photography. We see, you know, a deer or we see a mouse or we see, you know, something or an interesting plant uh, and we try to give it a shot and quickly realize that nature photography is incredibly difficult. It's easy to do sort of average work, but to do the kind of work you do, to, to do the, the truly excellent, uh, the truly first rate work takes tremendous talent and, and dedication. So it just, just as a way to get started, I'm wondering if you could tell us, how in the world did you get started um, in photography in general, but also in nature photography? Yeah, in, I, was, uh, I was starting uh, photographing dead fish mostly because I, I have been fishing all my life. And uh, as the anglers know, we have to uh, to take a picture of every fish we are catching. And I took, I think, 1,000 or 2,000 pictures of uh, sea trouts lying on a stone on the shore, and they were all the same. And I did that in many, many years. And one day I, I tried to photograph something else, and then it took, uh, took over, if I may say so. And... I'm almost not fishing more because the, uh, the nature of photographing is giving me the same as catching a big trout or a salmon today. When you are getting uh, getting the eagle or the deer or anything else uh, in the right way where, where you, f you are feeling you have got a really good picture, it is just the same feeling as catching a big fish. And the good thing about it is we don't kill anything in this way. It's the best way in hunting, I think. Oh, absolutely. They, you know, the, the photo safari has taken over uh, in other countries as well. I know that feeling. I know that feeling of, of getting the shot right. Do you remember what it was that you that you took a picture of that started to change your mind? Yes, I remember, remember it very well. It was a uh, kingfisher. It is funny because as I remember it, I saw this kingfisher sitting in a stream here in Denmark. And it was uh, the most beautiful bird I ever have seen. It was, as you know, blue. And I remember it as very big on the frame. Uh, 
I, I saw it clearly, but when I see the picture today, I think it is uh, filling three or four pixels, and it is only a blue dot a uh, hundred meter away. And that was that was my start. And then I had to make it better and better and better. And the other thing I saw was a white-tailed eagle. It was fl- uh, flying above me when I was fishing. And then I started. The, the, the white-tailed eagle, the white-tailed eagle it was, they were pretty uh, rare in Denmark at these days. You you mentioned on your website that you are absolutely addicted to birds. Why is that? Birds birds are the most common thing to make photos of. They are everywhere. But when I wrote that, it is years ago. Today I'm I do also photograph macro and insects, plants, uh, what is it uh, everything. So but it is still birds I do most. And they are hard to get good pictures of because they are flying fast or they are they are shy or you have to make some arrangements to get the good pictures of them and, and have a very good uh, patience. Well, you've just mentioned several things that, that I want to follow up on. And I think patience is probably the best place to start. I read an essay, I forget where, several years ago about nature photography. Uh, the writer, the photographer mentioned, yes, you see the dramatic picture of the bird or the polar bear or the lion. What you don't see is the four days of me sitting in a tent waiting for the the lion or the polar bear. Uh, You don't see all of the hours where absolutely nothing happens. For a nature photographer, uh, tell me a story about patience. Tell me a story about waiting. Yeah, I can tell you a story about the the best photo I got of I have got of the white tail eagle. I think in Denmark we have about eighty or ninety pairs in the whole country now, and they are hard to get because they are very shy and they are flying their own ways, if I may say so. You you can't get them where you want them. You have to sit and wait and wait and observe where they are flying and where they are sitting. And so I had been sitting for a week. I saw them sitting on a st- on, on some stones in a lake. They were, they were drinking and they were bathing in this, uh, in this lake. And then I thought I would try to get them. And I placed me in, the, in about 100 meters from them. And I was sitting in a week before I got the first picture. And it was, it was really unbelievable. I was sitting in the, in the, uh, the, the shoreline, well hiding the, all the plants and so, and I have been sitting there, as I said, in a week, and then it came flowing uh, towards me, and it placed itself in the water on a stone who was uh, covered by water, and then it sat with the back to me, and uh, it was, I thought, okay, now it is going to make something, you know, when they are bathing, they are using their wings and and jumping around. But it sat with the back to me, and that's not good for nature, nature photographer and get the birds <laughs> from the back. So I waited, I, and I hoped that it would turn around. But then I heard something else behind me. And I have to say that I was sitting on the ground with a big uh, burlap bag, tripod made in wood and uh, 800 millimeters uh, Nikon. 
and uh, it was very heavy gear. And then I heard this sound be behind me, and suddenly they say another another eagle in a tree about 15 meters behind me. And then I really had problems because should I look at the one, the first one in the water, or should I take some pictures of the one behind me? And uh, I took pictures of this in the, the water because it was all, all the gear was turning in this direction. So it was the easiest thing to do. And then I, I thought, okay, I have to try the other one also. So I, I had to turn around with all this heavy gear. And then I took some pictures of this, but that was not the right thing to do because when I did that, the other, the other one flew away. And I had to, I should have been sitting there and waited to get it when it was going in the air, you know. Then then, oh. then they are making the most beautiful splash and so, but I missed that. Did you get a good picture of the one in a tree? Uh, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but, but not, it was not totally free because there were branches and so all around it. It's... That's the way uh, it is to be a nature photographer. They're always at brains or it's sitting with the back to you or always strange things. So the, the really good pictures, they are very, very few. Well, there are very many of them on your website. Uh, and that's one of the things I was going to ask you about is simple composition. When you have so much, uh, for lack of a better term, interference, you have branches, you have signs, you have electrical wires, you know, whatever. Um, how do you go about thinking about composition as a nature photographer? Or is it all just a happy accident that you take 100 shots and hope that one is good? We, I, I am making a lot of shots, but um, what is it called in English when you have done something many times in the years? I have learned a lot of things. I, I, I'm always placing me right in, in the light so that I have the light in the right way, if I may say so. And I'm always placing me where there are possibilities to get a clean shot of the things the birds are doing what they are or the deers or what whatever so it is it is a kind of you have to have luck you have to have uh, experience and there is a lot of things who 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 has to grow up in a higher what do we call it you know it had to a lot of things have to be uh, come together mm -hmm. sorry for my bad english i'm better in english <laughs> It, 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 it's not, not bad at all. You are absolutely you're absolutely right, though, that you know, experience uh, is, is is the best teacher. And you go out shooting and the lights all wrong. And the next time you go out, you know, you've learned that lesson. But you know, so nature photography demands so many elements to come together. As you said, you know, it's not only the light and the, the rest of the context, but an understanding of gear, an understanding of, of what might happen 5, 10, 15 seconds uh, down the road. And, and one of the things that impresses me about your work is that there, there's a real sense of uh, immediacy or presence to them. Um, you know, these, these are not a kind of stereotypic or a general nature photography. Um, I'm you know, looking at, at a picture of, of one of the birds or I'm, I'm looking at the picture of the frog and its reflection that you put up the other day. There's only one frog in the universe that's like that. And then you happen 
to catch it. Is that simply something that you develop? Is it something you set out to do um, to make these pictures as intimate as they are? It is something that I have developed in, in the years because when I was starting, I was always trying to get clean shots, you know, with sharp pictures and where you had the bird or the frog or something like in a book. Also, you, 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 you could see the animal and nothing else. But in the years I have changed to, to make, um, I'm trying to make my pictures so that they are speaking to the fantasy or with light or with uh, the, Something else the, you 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 said the, you had seen the like in a mirror or something. You have to to think out of the box to make other pictures. That's that's the thing I'm always trying to do now. To get that, I have made some some arrangements. For example, I'm I'm uh, drifting around in the lakes and uh, on the shore by the coast, in the, what it is called floating height, I'm lying in the water in a dry shoot and uh, shooting the pictures 20 centimeters above the surface. That gives me the good pictures. You have, it's, it's not the same if you are sitting on the shore or you are sitting in a car or something and using that for height. You have to be in level with the birds or the frogs or something. That's the thing I'm working a lot in. And I have made it in the garden also. We have a big garden here and I have lured a lot of birds to come here, you know, I'm feeding them everywhere. And they have, I have digged uh, three or four holes out in the garden to get in the right <laughs> level. Yeah? It's, it sounds strange, but I'm getting the pictures uh, when they are sitting. I have made a, a pond who is five meter long, and then I'm sitting in the one end, and the birds are sitting in the other end. And then I'm getting these pictures where you can see them in, a, in another way, if I may say so. I love that idea. You know, an early cliche when anybody is beginning to uh, take up photography is someone tells them, you know, to zoom with your feet, um, you know, or, you know, or, you know, if the picture is not good enough, it's because you're not close enough. You know, all, all those cliches from early on. But I love the image of you in a dry suit floating along the, 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 the shoreline. That is hard. It is hard work. It is. And, and. D digging holes in your own backyard to get down to their level is absolutely fantastic. It ha we have to get close on the birds or the animals. I don't know why, what it's called in English, but you have to do that. And it's the thing who gives the good pictures. It is to get close and you have to hide and you have to think out of the box to get close to the animals. And you have to use time to it and you have to make, for example, this floating height I'm lying in, it is covered like a stone. I have had, when I'm breathing around out there, I have had birds sitting on top on it. You know, they are thinking it is a stone and I'm getting totally close. They don't know what it is. And that is funny. It is very uh, exciting to, to lie out there, but it is hard in the winter, you know. And I, I'm just chuckling thinking how many of us would get strange looks from our, our partners and spouses if we said, honey, I'm going to go out back and dig a hole deep enough for me to uh, hide in to take pictures. 
Something you mentioned earlier was that that you work in macro as well as long distance. So you're really working at both extremes. You've got the 800 millimeter lens and then the macro lens. What are the particular challenges for a nature photography at the macro end of the scale? It is the depth of field, but I'm also, when I'm doing macro, the best thing is to get the whole insect or the plant or whatever it is sharp but that is a very big uh, issue in the, in the macro because you haven't got much depth of field in that so that's uh, that's the big, biggest uh, issue in it to get that but then I'm be- uh, began to work in another way to get a, a kind of shallow depth of field so that only the eye is sharp or the antennas or something and that is a funny thing to work with. It is a, a kind of artistic way to do it in, I think, because you, you, you are always seeing sharp pictures of everything like in books and so. But I, as I said earlier, I would like to get my pictures, uh, give them something else that makes your fantasies uh, work, if I may say so. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's my goal in all my pictures. I think. I I think that that is a a wonderful goal. And that desire to have our images say something else um, is something I think a lot of us tend to forget that we've all seen pictures of, you know, pigeons before, but you've you've never seen my picture of a pigeon before. Um, You know, it, it should have a particular voice. Actually, there are several images I'd like to ask you about, but one I want to start with is one that I believe you put up on the frame site just within the last week or so. Um, and I'm looking at it right now. And, and people thought this was a space alien. It's a gray bird taking a drink of, of some sort. Do you know which image I'm talking about? Yeah. yeah. C- can, you tell me, can you tell me the story of that image? Yeah. It is. Uh, I took it in the garden from hole number three. <laughs> And uh, it is easy. It is the hole where, where I have made a, a hide in the one end, and then I have a five meter long pool, who is one and a half meter wide. And then, then in the other end, um, uh, the the birds are landing there and sitting and drinking. So, and it is a pigeon who was coming down for drinking. And then I then it sat, and it uh, it began to drink, and then. That is the story about the picture. But the picture went uh, out in another way that I thought. And it is funny to to see the reactions on, on the, the frame, the website, because I have never thought that so many would have uh, given that picture attention. I think there have been 1,000 people looking at it now, and there are so many good uh, ways to see it in. But you 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 said that many had seen it as an alien or something. I have never seen that. I have only seen a pigeon, so that was funny. <laughs> but but when they wrote that, many had have have seen it like an alien. Uh, then I could see it. It's a really moving image. Um, you have, you have the reflection you know, which is blurred uh, in in the water and such incredible sharpness uh, on the pigeon's head. Uh, And then, of course, you know, a shallow depth of field. I've I've never 
would have imagined that a picture of a pigeon uh, could be as evocative and, and as moody as this one. Tell me a story, your choice, any image you know from your repertoire. So tell me a particularly successful story or tell me the story of one that got away. Oh, well, there are many stories about that. Uh, <laughs> of birds who got away. <laughs> I have already told it. It was the eagle out in the water, I think. Tell me about the picture of the deer, the, the one with the antlers that, that is bugling. Yeah, it is uh, every year in September, the, the deers are rotting, the red deers are rotting here in Denmark in September. And that is one of my really good moments. I'm driving to Jutland. It is the biggest uh, island. It's not an island, but it is the biggest part of Denmark. And there is about, I don't know how many thousand of these deer, and you can hear them. It is as being back to the Stone Age, uh, the, the sound of them is getting the small hairs on the arms uh, moving, you know, and it is so exciting. And then I'm walking out. It is a, where I do it is a big uh, uh, exercise place for the military. So I'm I'm walking out there, and there are only soldiers and me, <laughs> and the deers. And then I'm placing me and sitting all day long there because you have to sit still and let the deers come to you. And it is the biggest uh, mammal in, in Denmark, uh, the big uh, deers who are rotting. They have to, they have a territory and they are, they are getting the females uh, to come to them, you know, and they are protecting them from the other ones. And then when you are sitting out there, it is, it is so exciting. It is like hunting, as I told, uh, as I said before, but not you are not killing anything, but you are using your hunting skills, something that everyone has. This picture of, of just the deer's head coming up out of the grass um, and, and looking up and, and, and bugling it is... There's a narrative there. There's a story in that picture. It's not a static. There's not a static picture of just a deer. He had been running around in front of me for two or three hours with the, his females. There were about twenty or thirty females, and they are moving all the time. When you are sitting there, they are moving around to to look after other males coming near. You know, they have to get them away if they are coming and. At a moment, they, it, it, he came pretty near me, I think 20 meters or so. And the picture I have, uh, have made where he's standing in front of me, he, he was pointing direct at me at this moment, but then he turned away again. But the best of, of this story was the weather. It was raining, and uh, then the rain stopped, and uh, a kind of, I wouldn't say fog, but, you know, it was... Uh, what is it called in English when the the air is not clear anymore? It's fog or haze. Yeah, it was hazy, pretty hazy, and then it turned. It raised its head up in this haze, and that's that's a good thing. I think then you are getting the kind of picture I want. But it is so so exciting to to experience this rutting time. When when you go out shooting. How many hours are you planning to be out? The whole day. From six in the morning till midnight or? Yeah, from dawn to dusk. 
and it's not so hard when in this winter time because the day is getting shorter and shorter. We have about seven hours of daylight now, but we are coming down to three or four in the middle of winter, and that is a bad, bad time for me. Well, you do have some winter shots in your portfolio here. I'm, I'm looking at a shot. It looks like a small boat frozen uh, in a lake and stuff. So you still go out shooting in the wintertime. Yeah, all, day, all year long. Other than dressing warm, tell, tell me about being a nature photographer in wintertime. You're not going to see as many animals. What is it you're looking for? Yeah, the animal, it is, there are pretty many animals in the winter too. Other animals or birds than in the summertime because they are migrating, you know. And when we have we have really winter, we haven't had it in Denmark for five or six years now. Our winters has has changed from frost frosty winters with snow to rainy winters who are dark. It is uh, the climate is is changing, but the the birds they are migrating down from north from Norway, Sweden, and. Uh, yeah, Greenland. They are coming to Denmark, and then you are getting another kind of birds, predators, and uh, and the other kinds. So that's that's the birds I'm going after in this time. And and also, if you are getting uh, getting frosty days, and so on, you can get this kind of pictures who are so lovely to see it uh, with the frost in the grass and so. And it is. It doesn't matter that it is a, a rare bird or something. A normal blackbird can be can give a very really good picture if you have the right surroundings and the the light and so. Well, you you have a remarkable picture of a pigeon, so I <laughs> I think that, that that that's perfect example there. I, I know it's difficult to choose among your own photographs, but is there an image that you are particularly proud of, either because of the image or the story behind it? Yeah, I, I have a picture on my, it is uh, used on my Facebook profile. It is a white-tailed eel who took a big eel in the surface. And that was a story where I have been sitting all day long in, a, in height on the shoreline of this lake. And it is almost the same story as with the, the other eagle who was sitting in the water. But this eagle, I was sitting there, and then I heard the small uh, ducks. Uh, they was flying away. And then you are knowing something bigger is coming, something an eagle normally when they are going away. And then the cormorants was flying away. And when the cormorants are flying, you know, something is definitely coming. And then it turned, it, it came it came uh, around the corner. This uh, white-tailed eagle is the biggest uh, predator we have in Denmark, and it it flew uh, it flew uh, towards me, and then it was uh, it took down to the surface of the water and uh, grabbed a big fish. I thought it was a big pike, but um, then it turned away and uh, flew away, and uh, I thought, okay, it was a pike, but then I saw the pictures and I I saw it was an eel. But the funny thing about it was when uh, I had been sitting there for for 15 more minutes, I suddenly heard something flew flewing uh, above me. The eagle came back and it sat in the tree where I was sitting beneath, three meters above me, I think. And then, then uh, I couldn't move because it, it would see me. So I had only to sit there and, you know, 
it was sitting with the eel up in the tree and I couldn't photograph it because if I was moving, it was flying away. But then, then I spooked it. Uh, it saw me move or something. And then it dropped the eel down to me. <laughs> but that was, that was really, but that is, this story is also, um, you can't uh, make the eagle fly in the right direction. I was lucky that it was it was flying uh, away from me, but it turned, so I got it from the side, and the light was right. But I would have loved if it, it was if it had been flying from the other side. But that's the way it is to be a nature photographer, and we can't uh, get good pictures uh, always. Well, this is a very good picture. It is your main profile picture uh, on your Facebook page. I, I've looked at that several times. What is it that you hope people take away from your photographs? I mean, you, you, what is it that you hope people are thinking and feeling after reviewing your work? I do hope that people, when they're looking at my pictures, they are getting a feeling of something good. But I hope to get a lot of people um, Think about how we are behaving in nature. There are so many beautiful things out there. We have to, we have to protect it, you know. In Denmark, for example, it is a little country. We have, we is only five and a half million people here in Denmark, but seventy percent of Denmark is uh, made to fields. We are growing corn, and we are, yeah, there are no animals. It is very, very hard times for our animals. So I hope that my pictures is going to make people think more about what we have out there. That is my main goal, if I may say so. Uh, and an admirable goal, that is. Well, thank you, sir. Th th this has been instructive and, and wonderful. I admire your work. The stories are fantastic. Uh, thank you for sharing some time with us. It's a pleasure. Frames. Because excellent photography belongs on paper. Visit us at www.readframes.com. <laughs>